Well, good morning, church family. How are you all doing? Oh, good. It's good to be back with all of you. Those of you who don't know, my name is Eddie Ferguson. I have the privilege to serve here as one of your pastors and specifically to oversee uh, our involvement as a church family uh, in the mission of Jesus Christ here locally and around the world. And in fact, I'm just freshly returned from India. I was there for about 10 days with uh, a team of eight from this church serving alongside our sent missionaries, Jim and Susan Cook. It was just a phenomenal time, and we felt your prayers the whole time that we were serving there. Uh, It was incredible. One of the highlights of our time there was to see Jesus call 37 teenagers to confess Him as Savior. It was just marvelous to watch as the Holy Spirit stirred in those hearts. And even furthermore, I I think it was mentioned last week in the service, about the same time our sent missionaries, Phil and Jan Smith, were conducting a youth camp in Papua New Guinea, and they saw about 32 teenagers confess Jesus Christ as Savior. So over 70, close to 70 teenagers this and I, it's nothing that we have done as a church. Know that, that the, the gospel going out is, is, is God's work, and that we have this immense blessing, privilege, to be a part of what God is doing as a church family. And we are deeply reminded of that just from the past few weeks as we've seen God's work throughout the world and His graciousness to allow us to be a part of that. If you are new with us this morning, we are in a unique time as a church family. For the past month, we have been in the process of of considering uh, a series of changes that God has been leading us pastors to consider, and we've been thinking through these as pastors for the past several years. And I hope that each of you have taken some time to carefully read and study the proposed doctrinal statement that we gave to you last week. It was written in such a way that you should have your Bible open right next to the statement, that you would intensely study the Scriptures through that statement of faith. If you have not taken the time to attentively read what we have proposed, I I ask you to do that this week. Use that as as a Bible study tool to go through the Scriptures and see what it is that the Lord has laid upon our hearts. Today, we will be proposing a a draft to update our Constitution, or what some may refer to as bylaws, and we are calling it a draft for a very specific reason, and that's because we need your input. This is not just a reflection of what we believe as pastors, but what we believe as a church family. This is why we have involved close to 100 people in the formation of these documents. These documents cannot just reflect who we are as pastors but must reflect what we believe as a church. And that's why we're spending these weeks together to discuss them. In fact, in listening to your feedback, uh, many of you have given to us, we've decided to change our sermon series plan just a little bit. We will not be returning back to uh, the book of Exodus to study it further. Instead, we are going to do a few smaller studies to help us unpack many of the things we've been discussing in this series on our philosophy of ministry. 
Next week, we'll do a, a little standalone message on church governance. I, I know that's not our typical method of preaching to do a little standalone message, but because our new constitution that we're proposing does suggest a change in governance, we want to take some time to explain that from the scripture, to see what God's word instructs us on. And then from there, we will have a few short series in Jonah and in Isaiah, and then on to the Psalms. And we hope that these studies will help further unpack these four statements on the philosophy of ministry we have been discussing. We have taken this month to understand our church's ongoing focus on delighting in the gospel, growing through relationships, serving our community, and sending into the world. This morning, we wrap up this series by looking at our final phrase, sending into the world. Now, when Pastor Chris began this series earlier in the month, he reminded us of uh, some fundamentals. Do you remember how he started this series? He held up his Bible and said, this is the Bible. I want to remind us here at the outset of this sending into the world conversation of another kind of foundational, a fundamental of being a follower of Jesus Christ. And that is, you are the church. You are the church. We are not here because of a building. We are here because we have confessed Jesus Christ as Savior And those of you who have done so, you are his church. In fact, he calls you his bride. This building is not the church, you are. We pastors are not the church, we are the church together. Too often we lose sight of this foundational truth and begin to institutionalize the church. We use they a lot in referring to the church Or ask questions like, I wonder when the church is going to start doing this. Or I wonder when the church is going to do that. The church is a family. We are the bride of Christ, brought together as one body. We are brought together in the unity of the Holy Spirit to reflect the truth of Jesus Christ and to proclaim the glory of God the Father. We are the church. Remember, remember that most basic principle as we consider sending into the world. Let me begin with prayer. Lord, I need your help this morning as we consider this command that you have placed upon us as a church and as individuals. May I be faithful to preach the words that you have communicated and that you've laid upon my heart. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to hear, to listen to the moving of your Holy Spirit here this morning. May you find us faithful. May you give us the strength to be faithful. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. In John chapter 20, verses 19 through 21, We find the disciples locked away in a room after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. They're locked up out of fear 
of their fellow Jews. They are sitting around hesitant to to step out into the world. They're filled with, with conflict as they try to understand all that they have seen and heard and what to do next. As they sit there, locked away in their room in secrecy, Jesus appears in the middle of them. And he delivers a a very simple, straightforward message. He says, peace, peace be with you. The presence of Jesus brings peace so that they can be fearless about the opinions of others. Peace so that they can confidently tell the world of their Savior. Peace that passes all understanding of what it is they've seen and and heard. Jesus brings them peace to, to move forward, to leave the room, and to go into the world. Once peace is is understood, as it's stated, then Jesus gives his familiar command to go. He says, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. See, these verses reveal a very important detail of the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel of action. It took action to bring it to believers, and it takes action to bring it to the next believers. The good news of Jesus is is not one that can be contained in some small room, even with the best of locks. It will spread. And he has chosen to use his followers to be the ones to spread it. Followers are faced with a simple question of action or inaction, obedience or disobedience. You see, if you find yourself with a gospel that you are content with keeping to yourself, then you have a false gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ, spoken of in the scriptures, compels all those who believe in it to share it. You cannot stay locked in your house, and you cannot stay locked in your pew. It compels us to be sent out, to share it, to demonstrate it, to live it with the very essence of our life. The very simple phrase here, Jesus reveals to us why this is true, why the gospel compels us. He says, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. The gospel is action really in two main ways. The fact that God sent himself into the world and that God sends his people into the world. Let's begin there this morning the very basic understanding that God sent himself into the world. Now we're getting at how this all came about, why the gospel is here with us. Jesus says, as the Father has sent me. Do you understand that that is the gospel? That God came. This is a miraculous truth that God came. 
God lived, God died, God was the one who conquered sin on the cross, and it was God who conquered sin over death in the grave. When I say that the gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel of action, it is not speaking of our actions, it's referring to the actions of Jesus Christ. God came to us. Every other religion in the world says that God is high on his pedestal, in his heaven, and we must get to him. We must perform the actions. We must follow the seven sacraments. We must go through the cycles of life. We must live our best life now in order to reach our version of God. And those are all false, untrue, not spoken of in Scripture. The gospel of Jesus Christ tells us that Jesus took the actions on our behalf so that we did not have to. Action is at the very core essence of what the gospel is. And it's action not taken by us, but by ta- taken by God himself. And we hear this throughout all of the scriptures as it reminds us of what it is that God has done for us. You look at a passage like Mark 10, verse 45. It says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. The verse that we're all most familiar with, John three sixteen, God so loved the world that he gave his Son, his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. One of my favorites is 1 Peter 3.18. Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Do you hear the verbs there, the actions that God has taken on our behalf? To serve, to give, to love, to bring. God has done these things to bring us to himself. And let's not forget, he doesn't end there. It's one of the things that I love about the gospel, that God just doesn't give us the bare minimum, but he gives us the abundance of his blessing. And he says, okay, I've sent the Son to do these actions for you, but I'm also going to send the Holy Spirit who's going to indwell those who believe in Jesus and constantly minister to illuminate the Scriptures, to, to comfort, to help. God's actions are not in the past. They're in the present. They're in the future. He's constantly working and doing for His glory to bring us to Himself. I pray that some of you will hear that the righteous, Jesus Christ, has died for you, the unrighteous. And he did so for your sins. And I pray that today will be the day that Jesus brings you to God the Father. We have many here today that that would love to talk to you about this. As we celebrated at the beginning that, that close to 70 have done so just in the past few weeks. God sends himself to us. So, as Jesus said, he said, as the Father sent me, as God has done this, 
so we are to do so also. The mission of Jesus Christ, going and, and sharing the gospel, is a, what we would call an incarnational mission, right? Jesus came as one of us. We do not ask people to come to us. We do not reach out to people, but rather we do what God has done, or as the Father has sent Jesus. We go. We embrace people where they are because it is the very thing that God has done for us. He's come to us. He's embraced us where we are and brought us to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so we arrive at, at our second understanding of this action of the gospel, right? First, God sent himself into the world. Second of all, God sends his people into the world, this is why Jesus says, even so, I am sending you. What, what is he saying to the disciples? He's looking at him and he's going, what are you doing in this room? Get out of here. Go. I am sending you just as the Father has sent me. You have the good news. Now get out of here and go share it with people. This is what God's been about from the very beginning when he interacted with people. Look at Abraham. He encounters Abraham and what does he say? I want you to go here and go tell them. I want you to establish a people that will be a blessing to all nations. Look at the prophets all throughout the Old Testament. They don't have this nice little house where people just come and that's where they talk from. No, they, they go out. And we see incredible stories of how God has them traverse some of the most extreme conditions in order to see the gospel go out. Do some crazy, silly things in order to see the gospel go out. But what is he always doing? He's saying, don't, don't just sit there. Don't lock yourself away in a room. Go. Go to this city. Go to this part of town. I want you to go to the center of Jerusalem and I want you to preach the gospel. He's constantly sending people out. This was the message that Jesus communicated to his disciples all along. This isn't the first time we see it here in the Gospel of John. You look at chapter 4, 38. He says, I sent you to reap that which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. He says in chapter 15, verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you, appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask in my Father's name, he may give to you. And Jesus says to the Father in chapter 17, 18, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And that's where we arrive in chapter 20, verse 21. Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. And you see this constant flow of sending throughout the New Testament. At the very beginning of the book of Acts, it says, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we see the very book of Acts following this pattern. Where they go and they, they share the gospel and they establish it right where God has placed them. They didn't wait for uh, a long journey to become a missionary. They said, no, God's place is right here. 
And he told us to preach repentance and forgiveness of sins beginning here. So they did. And you see throughout the book of Acts following this constant sending and going, taking the gospel wherever God calls them to. And as you study the book of Acts, it's not always these big missionary journeys like Paul's. It's inviting neighbors over to your house. It's going and sharing with coworkers. It's being faithful right where God has placed you. God has sent all believers. Every command to fulfill the Great Commission is in the plural. It is not for us pastors. It is not for those missionaries that we send off and pray for. It is for all of us. We are the church. We are called. We are sent. No exclusion. Not just missionaries. And you've got to remember that as Jesus calls them to be sent out into the world, the world is not just a geographic marker. It is a cultural marker. He's saying, yes, it's, it's talking about going to other countries, other parts of the world, but it's also meaning cultural, meaning we can't stay in our little Christian subcultures. He's saying, disciples, stop being locked away in a room. He's saying, church, you are not a building. You cannot stay locked up here. You must go out into the world, into the places that I have placed you in order to see the gospel go forward so that people will know of the saving grace, so that people will know they don't have to take action to get to God. God has done it for them. We cannot stay locked away. This command is not just for foreign missionaries, but a call for us all to be missionaries. Whether our field is a factory, a classroom, an office, a neighborhood, or a foreign country. We have been sent into the world with the peace of Jesus Christ. Meaning we have nothing to fear, nothing to be anxious about. We have the peace of Jesus to share Jesus with others. What Jesus is telling us is get out of this room and go because I left my throne room and came to you. The gospel compels us. The gospel is a sending gospel. We cannot stay locked up in our church building. And I want us to consider a third thing in the fact and to celebrate really that God has blessed us immensely as a church family. God has sent us into the world. We stand on an incredible legacy as a church family of generation upon generation who have been faithful to this very command. For 167 years, people that we really don't even know their names have been faithful to not just believe in the gospel, but to take action on it. To be a faithful witness in Brownsburg, throughout Indiana, and throughout the world. That is why we are here this morning 
the work of God through faithful believers over the generations. And what is presented to us this morning is an opportunity to remain faithful. How encouraging is that? Yes, we are so thankful for 167 years, but we believe in a gospel of action, not past action. So we look to the next 167 years. We must be the faithful generation to send out so that another generation, 167 years from now, can stand here in Brownsburg and throughout the world and faithfully proclaim the gospel. The action of sending takes many different approaches. It simply means that that we cannot be crippled with, with fear and we cannot be crippled with apathy. We must unlock the door and go. I'm reminded just this past couple of weeks of a wonderful testimony of this. One of our faithful believers has gone home to be with the Lord, Helen Snodgrass who in her final days stayed faithful to be sent into the world. Though she was living in a care assistance home, she shared the gospel faithfully with all of those around her and saw people confess Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. What an incredible testimony of saying, I will be sent till the very end and to remain faithful And so many of you here, I know of your faithfulness and have the joy of praying with you of the specific people that you are sharing the gospel with, that you are building relationships at your work, and that you're taking intentional steps with your neighbors, that you're saying, I will never retire from the Great Commission. I will serve till the very end like Helen. May we continue to be a church faithful to be sent out for the sake of the gospel. We are sent into the world of our workplace, of our school, of our neighborhood. Sometimes we are sending to the other side of the world, but most often we're just sent to the other side of town. This idea of sending has shaped how we've structured everything that we do here as a church family. We come together on Sundays for training, for for refueling, so that we can be sent out again and spend the rest of our week sharing the gospel. I'm also reminded of another great testimony that that, that I have benefited of so greatly, and that's of Bethesda Christian Schools. Being a graduate, I I recognize the immense value that training and structure for a uh, a Christian worldview is helpful. But I'm not just speaking of those of us who've been sent out as, as pastors and missionaries, which there are many, but I'm speaking of the the countless. BCS graduates who are police officers, who are firemen, who are nurses and doctors, who are teachers and business professionals, all of whom are out in the world serving as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, missionaries where God has placed them in their fields of service. So this is why we focus on another 50 years 
of BCS sending into the world. I'm reminded of our, of our wonderful testimony of being a, a church-planting church, that for decades we have helped, assisted, sent people out from our midst to go and to see new churches started throughout our area. Churches like College Park, Rock Point in Crawfordsville, or Calvary Church in Plainfield, and so many others. May we continue to be faithful to send out to see new churches established as gospel witnesses in other parts of the city. We sit on the doorstep of a city that is broken with so many needs, but ultimately needs Jesus as their Savior. And the most effective gospel witness, the one that Jesus established in his scriptures to reach this city, is new churches being started. We must remain faithful to send out and see new churches started. This is why we have partnered with our brothers and sisters at Soma Church to see a new church started come together in Pike Township. And as we've discussed, we we didn't want this partnership just to be a financial one, but to truly give of ourselves, to truly send. And as we began these conversations with them, one of the things they asked us for is they said, do you have any faithful, mature believers who would be willing to be sent out from your church to come help us establish? And as we began to pray and consider this request, the Lord immediately placed on our hearts Harry and Grace Howe, somebody who lives in the Pike Township, who has served here in our church faithfully for over 30 years, and to know that they would, they would be an, an amazing blessing for that church. That's, that's some high-caliber people to, to lose, to let go of. And as we were praying, we didn't realize, but God was doing a work in Harry and Grace's heart pulling them to be a part of a church in their backyard, to to see their neighbors come and connect with a church there. And so Harry approached us several months ago and said, would you send us out? We don't want to leave Bethesda. We want to be sent out. And so this morning, we had the bittersweet joy of sending Harry and Grace Howe out. And at the end of our service, We're going to pray over them. We're going to hand them over to one of their new pastors. And we see this partnership, this willingness to send out Blossom, to send somebody of their caliber to be able to say, let's let's form an even deeper partnership through this. We're going to take steps like our VBS this year is going to be a cooperative VBS where they help us put on our VBS, and we're going to go to them and help them see their VBS go on. We want to be a part of sending into the world in every possible way that the Lord provides for us. We pray for the decades ahead that more churches throughout Indianapolis, as this city grows and blossoms, that more of you will go follow the example of Harry and Grace and others and say, our area needs a church. Let's help start one. We're going to take some very intentional steps as a church family. 
As we grow, we don't want to grow big as a church. From the past few fall offerings, we've mentioned a a master plan of, of remodeling and looking at our facilities. We are not building new buildings. We are simply going to remodel and, in fact, cap the capacity of these facilities at 800 people and say, no more. We will not go beyond that. We will not become some huge, bloated church. We will be an active, slim church sending people out. And then when we come to our capacity, it means more of you have to be sent out. Because we can't stay locked up in this room. By the peace of Jesus Christ, we can fearlessly be sent into the world. Another testimony of this church I'm reminded of is the fact that in 1884, we made our first financial contribution to foreign missions. Six dollars. Doesn't sound like that much to us, but back then, that was a lot of money. And since then, we have given sacrificially. And I feel so blessed to be the most frequent one who who represents you around the world. As our brothers and sisters come and say, thank you for giving this money. Those kids wouldn't have been able to go to camp and hear the gospel if it wasn't for your sacrificial giving. Just in October, I, I stood in a city in northeast Brazil, a city where we have given faithfully to for 55 years. And the missionary just kept going, you helped plant that church, that church, that church, that church, that church. We just prayed for the Whitmans. 40 years of faithful missionary service in Italy. We've been with them all along. What an incredible faithfulness. May we be the generation to carry that forward, to continue that. One of my favorite missionaries is Diane Kerstetter, our very first sent missionary who went out in 1971 to the Central African Republic, served faithfully there and in France and here in the United States. And now we look upon seven sent missionaries from our church, and here in just a few weeks, we will commission our next sent missionaries as Rob and Lynn Wachter follow the leading of the Lord to go serve alongside of Randy and Cindy Richner in South Brazil. What an incredible legacy we sit upon of people going out locally, getting that training and that experience, and then following the leading of the Lord to the very ends of the earth. I pray every day for you. And one of the things that I pray for every day is who, which of you will be the next to be sent out? The Howes and the Walkers are being sent to other locations because they have been faithful in this location through things like children's ministry and send me journeys and, and just sharing their faith where God has placed them. That is the legacy of our church. And we, we want to be a church that continues to do that going forward for the generations to come. It's the only reason we would ever consider the changes that we've been proposing is so that we can, can guarantee that we can focus on that. 
Last Sunday, Pastor Justin shared a, a really wonderful analogy of an aircraft carrier. Right, this is what an aircraft carrier looks like. It's kind of the, the center of the naval fleet, sending jet planes out. There's over 6,000 people serving on this ship. And they're doing a whole lot of different tasks that have to do with the, the fighting the war. Some are being sent out. Some are, are fighting and serving right there on board the, the ship. And I don't know if you've ever seen, but they're on deck. There are several different uh, groups of people who are serving in, in different ways. You know, we normally see them kind of color-coded so that everybody knows their different job. And each person, depending upon their area, is responsible for doing their part in being sent and sending people for the war effort. They have to work together in order to see every jet take off from a very small area. And church, I want to give you six things that we all should be working on as we are, as a church, this aircraft carrier, sending people off, sending into the world. First and foremost is prayer. Prayer is how a church sends into the world. We need to constantly be in prayer for those who have gone out. This is why we give you a missionary prayer card. Pray for them every single day. Pray for the walkers and the howls as they go out. Pray for your friend and community group who's trying to invite somebody to come and join you. As you hear a prayer request in life group about an unsaved family member, pray for them. Pray but also pray for where God is sending you. We all have different opportunities. It's just whether we are obedient to see them. Pray. I was reminded of the power of prayer just a a few months ago. We had uh, an ablaze activity at our house where we had, uh, after a football game, we we had a bonfire at the house and um, we're just trying to use it as an opportunity to connect with, with Brownsburg students where they are and hopefully introduce them to the people of God. And so we were praying and hopeful that many would come, and, and we had about 10 show up. And it was incredible. It was such an encouragement to see us go and, and, and connect with students where they are. But I was reminded why that happened. That Sunday... I showed up to church, and I ran into Phyllis Jones. And immediately Phyllis goes, how did the football thing go on Friday night? I know I wasn't able to be there, but I was at home praying. I prayed all night that God would bring students out. Prayer, that is how a church sends into the world. May we all be faithful like Phyllis to pray for where God is sending us. The second thing is training. How a church sends is through training. This is why we provide things like BI and life groups and community groups, why we encourage you to study the word, because we must be equipped. We must be able to share and to give testimony for the faith that is within us. This is why we have things like the vine and a blaze and ignite for our kids, so that they too will know the truth of the scriptures, and when they are sent out, ready to go. The third thing we must do as a church is organize. We must be prepared. 
This is why we come together as a church family. We pool our resources and give to both foreign missionaries and invest in local outreach opportunities like the park, like the storehouse, like back to Bethlehem. In coming together and organizing as one, the unity of the body, we are able to send into the world. The fourth thing, we got to kick out. we got to kick some of you out. We love you, but ultimately, if we're going to be sending into the world, that means we are only here for a time. And recognizing that God is using this group of people to send others out into the world, to see others come to know him. We must kick out, and we must be willing to be kicked out. It's so much better to be sent than to just leave a church. I love those words that Harry shared with me. We don't want to just leave. We want to be sent out. And we live in a Christian subculture where people are constantly bouncing from church to church, just leaving, walking out, and nobody knows otherwise. This is why you are the church. We are the church. We are a family. You don't just walk away from family that we send out and we say with, with our prayer, with our support, we send you on to what the Lord has next for you. And that is where we have our fifth thing, where we support a church that sends out supports. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul writes back to the church at Philippi and thanks them for the care and concern they have demonstrated over his ministry. Yes, they recognize there's, there's some hardships, but they also they show deep concern over it. They send things, they, they send people, they assist him, they give. A church that sends into the world is one that gives. I pray that we will continue to be a church that gives of our finances, of our resources, of our people to see people sent into the world. May we support by encouraging those who are going out those who take a a, a deeper risk in crossing greater divides and bigger cultural gaps, that we will encourage them and support them. The sixth and final thing that we do as a church to send out, we fill the gaps. We fill the gaps. As we send people out, that leaves huge gaps within our own body of places of serving, places of discipleship, people who need to be trained up in God's word. As Harry and Grace and Rob and Lynn head out, they leave some big gaps in this church family. Which of you will fill those gaps? Will you step up and fill those so that we can send more people out? This is how a church sends into the world. By praying, training, organizing together, willing to kick people out and support them as we go, and then step up and fill those gaps. We will be a church sending into the world. You are the church, not this building. And we want to spend more time out in the world because that is what Jesus has called us to. That is what Jesus has done for us. Too often people hide behind this notion of of calling. We give that as an excuse that we weren't called to go, but that God has called others and, and we're just to help them. 
The simple truth is that that's not true. God has called all of us to go make disciples beginning here in our Jerusalem of Brownsburg. To say you can't do that because of calling is an excuse for disobedience. We are all senders and goers. There are times when we spend more in one area than the other, but we are ready for both. As the Father sent Jesus into the world, so he sends our church into the world. And as we turn to communion this morning, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, remember the action he has taken for you. His body broken, his blood spilled out. Those are intense actions for you. Confess your fear. Confess your apathy. Confess your disobedience. Come to one of the people who are are standing around this church willing to pray with you and ask them to pray for you, to be fearless, to step up and to be sent where God has placed you. Come and say, will you pray for my neighbor, my friend, my coworker, and pray together. Too often, this prayer team stands around our church with no one to pray with. When our hearts are overflowing with people who need the gospel, there should be a line at each of them to pray by name those who we are wanting to share the gospel with or come to see Jesus. We should confess to one another, I I need help. Will you pray this morning? Confess your fear and apathy. May you be obedient to be sent and to send into the world. And if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, this communion time, it's not for you, but this time is for you to consider the reality that Jesus came for you. Repent of your sins and confess Jesus as Savior today. The the same people willing to pray, come and say, will you pray for me? I, I need Jesus. And there are people all around here today to pray with you. As we look forward to the next 160 years, 67 years, may we continue to be a church sending into the world. Let me pray. Father, we love you. We love your gospel. We love your church that you have established here in Brownsburg. May we be faithful in this generation and those to come to be sending into the world so that the gospel will go forth and people will confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that we will send into the world so that more people will delight in the gospel, that more people will grow through relationships, and more people will serve our community so that more people can be sent out into the world. Help us to lead faithfully, to be obedient, to not be inactive, but to be active. And we pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. As we've been doing the last few weeks, we're going to have a a panel this morning while they're getting that assembled. We did have a couple of questions that were texted in. One we've got to do a little research on. 
But the first one, actually this was a statement, and so we can pull that up on the screen there. Let's see, I got that. Let's see, coming up for us there. Hey, there we go. And so now I lost my screen. There we go. So the, the statement that was given, uh, Eddie mentioned $6 that was given back in 1886. Someone researched and found out that today that would mean $145.09. So that's helpful little bit of information there. Thank you. We have some creative minds out there that like to, like to do that type of thing. Well, we're going to dive into our questions now. And uh, with us here today, we have also Chad Smith, who is the head of schools at Bethesda Christian Schools, and also Steve Ringler. Steve currently is still a deacon, but uh, will be rolling off, and we appreciate so much your involvement here. We're going to, for you guys that are here, we're going to skip right to the second question, because Pastor Eddie did such a great job today of sharing some thoughts with us today, practical And so the question is this, how do Send Me Journeys, sending missionaries and church planning, help us send into the world or sending into the world? And uh, sometimes people will say something like this, why do we invest the time and resources into sending our people out on short-term ministries? And that's one thing that maybe we could address. Yeah, I think there's a kind of a two-fold purpose with something like Send Me. Uh, it's not just exclusive to what we do there, um, but there's an, a, an intentional investment, a shot in the arm for our missionaries. We never go on a send me journey unless it's requested by the missionary. So we never go to our missionaries and say, we're coming, find something for us to do. Uh, that's backwards. Uh, our missionaries come to us and say, hey, we, we really want to put on this, uh, this camp in India. Will you send a team to help it happen? Um, and so we send people. And so our missionaries request that shot in the arm, that a little extra help. The other side of it is people who are going to go to the ends of the earth, they, they kind of need to experience that first. They need to see that firsthand. And I think we're, we're already beginning to see that. Many of our people who've gone out on Send Me Journeys are now being sent out in a longer-term capacity. Another question that's kind of a sub-question to that is, how do sent missionaries give life to the church differently than a supported missionary? ideas on that i think we talked about uh well it was in high school life group this morning you know the acts 13 14 paul and barnabas get sent out um they have a very difficult well god does an amazing work uh, of evangelism and then immediately following that it goes very poorly for them they're stoned and left for dead and then they come back to the churches and they encourage them um, and they say hey there's going to be some times of hardship coming up and so there's a sense in which, you know, missions conference is coming up. There will be missionaries here, and we want to encourage, bless them, um, absolutely. But there's also a testimony that they're going to bring of, hey, the home church has a tendency to, to desire that comfort uh, more than we ought to. And so they, while we hope to be a blessing and um, enrich them, there's also a, a time for us to sit and listen and hear the challenge that is brought and say, hmm, you guys are, are making sacrifices for the sake of the gospel that maybe I'm not making right now. And if I would simply make some sacrifices that you're making in, say, Brazil, that Randy and Cindy can instruct us on, perhaps we would see a work of, of evangelism done here uh, in Brownsburg that we're not currently seeing. Yeah, and when you've sent out people, those people, you know them. I mean, a lot of you know, like, Phil and Jan Smith. You've spent a lot of years with them. 
So when we reference something that they're doing, you kind of understand their personality maybe a little bit more than somebody else. And hopefully the Holy Spirit uses that to say, well, I know Phil and Jan, if, if, you know, if they can do it, I can do it too. You know, you kind of see that, that familiarity kind of pushes you forward more. Well, it's good to see, you see the people who were sent out from here um, who, you know, either whether it be through early retirement or some just, just simply quit their jobs. I mean, that's a, a great risk, right? Yeah. You're risking your own financial stability in terms of quitting your job, and now you're selling what you have, you're selling your home, and you're moving to a different country. And to know them, live among them, be friends with them, serve with them here, and then see them do that is a huge challenge to yourself to be like, wow, I mean, that's mm-hmm. how can I sacrifice like that and, yeah. and to get the gospel forward? Pastor Eddie mentioned about church plants from the past, and it's exciting to think back on that. I remember there was a period of time, 10 churches in 10 years, that was a goal here. And uh, I think one of the key things about that is the multiplication factor in that. You know, when, when one person goes out, you know, a certain number of things happen, but when someone goes and starts a church and the church takes off and explodes, it's just amazing as you think about College Park Church running 3,000 or more, and a Rock Point, you know, a couple thousand, and all those other works too. And just the multiplying effect that takes place in church planning is is really awesome. Pastor Brian, I just want to toss out an idea. I'd be willing to start, but maybe next January you could send a send me group to Hawaii. Uh, about late January, maybe a couple weeks, so we have to go. Do you know somebody who would lead that for us? Uh, Caleb Whitehead, I think. <laughs> he just busted Caleb Texan, I think, right now. He, was, he had his head down. Oh, he was like, no. what? How my name? Who's on his Bible? Stay on your toes. Oh, yeah, Bible app. Bible app. I get it, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good stuff. <laughs> well, you think about, you know, uh, church plants, okay? So you think about church plants. Like, this is... Um, this is really, um, it's a great legacy to have had here, but mm-hmm. also to think about, you know, people usually wonder, like, do we, why do we need new churches? Do we really need more? You know, why do yeah. we need more? There's, there's plenty of churches around here. Like, why do we need more churches? It's Indiana for crying out loud. The church on every corner. Like, why do we need another one? And, and I think it's, it's really important that you get the vision behind it because this really drives a lot of where we are going as a church. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is because church planting is just from a statistical standpoint. I mean, it's biblical. Let's put it that way, okay? Just read it in the book of Acts. Church planting is very biblical. But statistically proven that, that larger amounts of people are one to Christ through church plants than through the traditional church buildings or places that are currently in existence. They serve one another. I, I spent my last, you know, before I came here, I seven or eight years planting churches. I was part of church planting organizations. I was evaluating, helping, equipping, teaching church planters, right? I did all that because I believed in it, that it was, it was reaching people. And, you know, the statistics tell us that, you know, a, a church plant, 80% of a church plant's growth is conversion growth. 20% of, of established churches like we are is conversion growth. A lot of it's transfer growth. And that's not... That's not always bad that people want to join and come from another church, and we mentioned that today in the sermon. It's not always bad for, you, for people to go to a different church because they want to join that mission. They want to get on board with where they're going and what they're doing and be a part of that movement. That is, that is totally fine. But when we plant churches, we are seeing, um, we're seeing the gospel go forward in those particular neighborhoods and locations. A lot of people who are lost aren't going to go to a church building. Okay? They just aren't. They're not waking up on Sunday morning going, hey, I think I should go to church. You know? I mean, they're, but if you plant a church in their neighborhood, 
And then those people, they do what Jesus did, which is we call it incarnational ministry. He actually, they embody that culture, that neighborhood, that place, and they live among them, and they're with them, and they, and they are serving their community. All of a sudden, there's a greater opportunity to build bridges for the gospel. But then the established church actually can help equip that church. You serve one another. When I had a church plant in L.A., um, you know, we started off, we parachuted in there. It was, it was basically 10 of us. And it was, you know, it was 200 people within the first year and a half. And I would say 80% of them were conversion growth. It was exciting. I mean, I had like a bunch of babies everywhere. I mean, it was, um, and the people didn't know much of anything about Scripture. And so, but I had an established church like this that, that helped me, that encouraged me, that equipped me, that sent people out from their church like we're doing here with Soma, like to go help. Um, and that's how we, we helped one another. I'd send people over to their church to do a lot of the programs and things like for kids that I just couldn't do. I didn't have the capacity to do that. And so we served one another and helped one another and partnered together, which is important. Awesome. Well, here's uh, another question. How do community groups, life groups, BI, and BCS help us send into the world? Well, from, from just from Bethesda Christian School, um, some things that come to mind. You know, we talk about biblical worldview, obviously. Um, and that sounds good from an aerial view, but what's that mean in practice? How does that look? Um, how's that applied? And I would say a great majority of you all uh, 20 years ago probably didn't think you'd be sitting in Bethesda Church here um, right now. And God has planted you here for a reason. Um, so how are you using that um, to share the gospel? So giving students that foundation, that strong foundation uh, of a biblical worldview. Uh, so an application, uh, here's a story for you sort of um, behind the scenes. Had a non-safety issue where I needed to talk to a police partner earlier in the year. Um, called um, dispatch at, at Brownsburg Police Department. No one answered. No one answered. So I called the county. The county um, put out an officer on dispatch. Officer shows up. Hey, Mr. Smith, I'm a BCS grad. BCS grad. I start talking to him, and he shares his story, um, his heart, that as he transferred here, um, Bethesda Christian School not only gave him that biblical worldview, but it saved his life. Um, my age, a lot of friends that already passed away that, that stayed in the culture that he was in. Um, that's powerful. That's powerful. Um, when I think, too, about sort of um, what it looks long-term, um, Soma Church, you're getting a great visionary in Harry Howe. This past spring, when I knew I was coming here, um, I sat down with Harry, and Harry said, you know, Chad, it's not only important for that biblical worldview, but it's also important that students stay in the faith. A lot of students will walk away from the faith on the college and such, and he recommended a book, uh, Sticky Faith, if you ever get a chance. And, and in that book, it talks about webs of supports for kids, and everybody has their webs of support. But this is research proven. One person outside of that web of support from the church reaching out to that student in college has a great impact on that student, especially when they might be troubled or, or wavering, has a great impact. And um, this man to my right is powerful with that. And I talk about Steve a lot. Uh, in his travels, I know he tries to meet with students all across the country, wherever he might be, just for a quick lunch. And that is research pro- proven. I don't know if Steve even is aware of that. That's research proven that that has a great impact on people. So biblical worldview. On my life. Steve used to come up to Chicago for yeah. business. And he'd take me out for a nice steak dinner. I always appreciated yeah. that. Steve's never done that for me. Hey, wait, I know. Hold, up, hold on a second. You talk, Steve. Hold on a minute. What? But that, that's a part of, I mean, one of the reasons why I love this church so much, why God brought me back is people like Steve. Joel was a lot cheaper because in Pittsburgh, he'd say, how about a salad or a cup of yogurt? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Joel. 
Um, you know, in thinking about about life groups and community groups, one of the things, I, I mean, they're to equip us. If, if we use them the way we should be using life group and community group, it's not only to build us up right now for this week, but it's to equip us to do these things that Pastor Eddie talked about this morning. And and it starts really simple, guys. And, and I know in our community group, I, I ask our group that by Thanksgiving, and this was sometime in, in early October, I challenged them to have somebody into their house, some, you know, a neighbor, a coworker, a friend or somebody, invite somebody, and it wasn't my idea, it was, it was you know, from our, our pastors, especially Justin leading that effort, but who are challenging us to be intentional in our neighborhood or with our friends, neighbors, contacts, coworkers, and, and I know that's not always easy. Some people really have the gift of hospitality, and you're always opening up your home. Eighty percent of us don't do that all that much, but, you know, so our challenge was, by Thanksgiving, have somebody into your house. And, and if you need to start small and start with somebody in your life group because you're not even used to doing that, then, then start there. But let's be intentional. And, and um, you know, we can feel equipped. Um, God doesn't equip. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called, mm-hmm. right? And um, we can all do. We can all start small. And we can become equipped in our life groups, in our BI classes, and, and pick ones that challenge us and that stretch us and, and apply those things in your life. And before long, you'll be having an impact on your street, and um, all of us are called to do that. Steve, will you be meeting students to afterwards to sign up for steak dinners? <laughs> no. Okay. No. No. Uh, Eddie, Eddie is paying it forward now. So see Pastor Eddie right there, yeah. Awesome. Well, our final question during our panel here is, what are some practical ways that someone or an individual family can participate in sending into the world? I know one of the things when our kids were really small, too, we did, um, we, we supported different missionaries and also different missionary organizations, so like VOM and other places, Voice of the Modern, sorry. Um, and you know, we'd, we'd get a bunch of Bibles to send to you know, North Korea or something, and we would, and they'd all come in our house, and we'd pack the box. All the kids would put things in there, and they'd pack everything up, and we'd send it out, and so we were always kind of doing things for the kids to kind of just get exposure to that. Um, we have a whole, whole mess of, in our whole library of, uh, of like Christian biographies, and um, I know if you go to Ligonier's website, you'll find uh, some great little um, Christian biographies for, for, you know, I would say probably ages ages eight to eight to ten, eight to twelve, maybe uh, range is great books to kind of just get on their level for them to just start dreaming about what that looks like um, as a as a bigger world and and seeing the gospel go forward around the world is a practical thing. Yeah, I think prayer prayer around the dinner table. I saw this um, the missionaries I worked with in uh, Mexico. Every meal they had a stack of cards right at the dinner table, um, and they would pray for their supporting churches, fellow missionaries. Um, you know, we've, we've got a little bookmark for you. We've got the magnet on the fridge. Just take something like that, and as your family gathers together, pray for one. Well, you got your map back there, there too. a map the, back there. The map back there. There we go. Every I'm Sunday, just go map over there. take a card off yep. there and say, hey, this Sunday over the meal, we're going to pray for this missionary. We're going to pray for this one. Um, it's, it's really that It'd easy. It'd be great to see those just missing, and we have yeah. to keep filling them out. Yeah. He, he, here's, honestly, we haven't stocked those in a year. Those have been up for a year, and we've, we've not had to restock those. 
in, in Acts, it tells us the early church had two priorities, and priority one was taking care of the brothers and sisters in Christ, and they did that. We know Barnabas sold a field and gave his money. We have stories about that. But their other priority was boldly proclaiming Christ resurrected. Mm-hmm. And all of us can do those things. We can take care of our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we can proclaim the resurrected Jesus Christ. And um, it, we don't have to be salesmen. We're not paid on commission. Nobody's keeping track of how many people come to the Lord. Yeah. We're just... We're just asked to tell people about Jesus, and the Lord will take care of the harvest. But we're charged to go and tell, and it sometimes is as simple as just being bold enough to tell somebody about Jesus. Yeah, you guys mentioned praying, and you know, Steve's talking about sharing with those that you know. Start with praying for your neighbors by name. Mm-hmm. Right? And as you pray for them by name, that's going to change your outlook on how you see those mailbox interactions. Right? Um, it's a re- really simple step there. Or you just ask, and even ask them specifically. I mean, I've, I've yet to come across some believers like, no, 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 I don't want you to pray for me. They, they may be a little shocked when you ask them, like, hey, how can I pray for you? And they, they um, um, well, usually they'll offer something, because even if they don't believe, it's like a good omen, or there's, maybe it's good luck if this person prays for me. Uh, they'll give you something. Great. Then write it down, do it, pray for it, and then go back and tell them, hey, I've been praying for you about this. How's, you know, how's the work? How's the job going? This is real, you know, real scared and timid about sharing the gospel. That's a great entry into just showing care and concern and build that bridge and see where it goes from there. Awesome. And any one of us would be glad to share other ideas, too. There's just tons of things that could be really helpful.